You are altogether lovely. You're the perfect being. All the things that we enjoy, all the blessings, all the things you've created, all the things that we sometimes take for granted or think we have a right to emanate from you. The way you had it in mind is not the way we've made it. But one day, you are going to set things back in order. And Lord, uh, we earnestly want to be set in order before that moment. (laughs) We will either bow our knees to the Lord Jesus Christ, delighted, or in sheer submission. Recognizing that we missed it. And so, Father, today we come in Jesus' name and we bless you. We thank you for the fairest Lord Jesus who rescued our souls from death, gave us eternal life, way beyond all the other blessings you've made for us. And we're grateful. The children of God especially should say so. (laughs) And so we bless you, we worship you, and we thank you today for the privilege of gathering here in freedom to lift up your name, to learn from you, to live for you. Lord, um, Holy Spirit, track down every one of our people who are being naughty (laughs) and help them learn to enjoy you. Chief end of man is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And we start that now. And then those who are not in the family, Lord, we earnestly pray that your goodness and your mercy that's manifested in the world that we'll talk about a little bit today would woo them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being our Savior. We pray in your great name and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Okay, we are away. I was afraid that the tryptophan had overdone its work over the weekend, you know. How many of you had a good turkey? And it's still having effects on you. Right? I am sick, so I am not um, shaking anybody's hand, hugging, or kissing either. So don't try. And uh, But Lord willing, I'll be able to get through uh, everything that needs to be said. Thank you, worship team. Great songs this morning, by the way. Um, Minded. There was something minded. I wrote myself a note. Now I can't remember what it was. Don't you hate when that happens? I think a lot of that's going to happen this morning in my case. Very sorry. Last Sunday night, we had 30 people praying in this room. And um, I'm really grateful. Those of you who came, thank you. Uh, We went to work praying against what I believe is um, the enemy's opposition against us because, you know, if you're going to count for God, you're going to have opposition. Anybody know that to be true? Okay, anybody else know that to be true? (laughs) So five people say, yeah, I get that. And uh, so those folks who uh, labored last week, I just want to thank you for doing that. It was work and it was a powerful time, I believe. Anybody that was there? Want to say I'm lying or that I'm telling the truth? I feel like the Lord was with us in that and it was good. And so we may need to do more of that. Give God's spirit freedom to work here and uh, clean up. Thanks be to God that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover and cleanse and purge any evil that any human being has ever done. 
Isn't that good news? Because maybe you've noticed you've done a few evil things in your life. And if you haven't noticed that, let me talk with you later and explain reality to you a little bit. (laughs) The real world as it really is, right? All right, so this morning... We're talking about Grace Illustrated, and uh, for those of you who are visiting, I'm sorry, my voice isn't usually this raspy. It's usually worse, right? (laughs) But uh, that's the way it is. So I was thinking about uh, this holiday season that we're in and how appropriate to talk a little bit about grace in, in its common sense. We, as children of God, appreciate the grace of God, and we rejoice in it, we sing about it, and we receive it as believers because of the grace of Jesus provided for us. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But speaking of manifest kindness, I'm going to take a rather obscure text, probably one that maybe you've only read once or twice. If you've been through the whole Bible, you've only been through it maybe a couple of times. But uh, I was thinking about the goodness of God in general to everybody. You know, when we talk about grace... We think of certain words like goodness, mercy, generosity, forbearance, right? When we talk about God being gracious, we think of those things. Here's a word, kindness. So I picked the title today, Manifest Kindness. You want to see kindness in action. Let's see, there's 28 shopping days left to Christmas. You want to see a lack of kindness? (laughs) A couple of years ago, I, I used uh, the video clips or the pictures of people pounding each other in the stores. Remember when the fist fights broke out on Black Friday? People were pushing through doors and someone go down and they're pounding each other. There's manifest kindness. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> the holiday spirit. If uh, 28 days left to shop, if you're going to Hobby Lobby, only 24 days left. <laughs> And uh, it's the season of avarice, but it can actually be a season of kindness if we work at it. But you know what? You do kind of have to work at it. Left to ourselves, we tend to be rather selfish. And uh, I find myself that way. I find people, all you have to do is get in line at the store or try to get through a light. (laughs) You see how many people run them, etc., right? Everybody know what I mean. We've been talking about grace. Our series is Grace Illustrated. And, of course, the grace of God pictured in Jesus Christ, we, we could take a lot of time unpacking that, and we will all the way into the new year. But for now, I want to talk about manifest kindness to the human race that God has given for us to look at to show how much he does, in fact, love and care and manifest goodness to us. Grace, remember, means God supplies us with undeserved favors. God supplies us with what kind of favors? Undeserved. I'm going to push the envelope. God supplies us with undeserved favors. Because even the good things that he's given all humanity, when we see how we respond sometimes, maybe we don't really deserve it. But God shows kindness to us anyway. Saints of God, children who have received Jesus as Savior, they are big recipients of grace. And they're the ones who more than anybody should notice it, which is why we sing some of the songs we sang this morning. Fairest Lord Jesus, fair are the woodlands, fair still, all of these things, right? 
but the Creator is even more fair than that. But these are all good things that we've been given to enjoy. How many of you had a good holiday? How many of you had a cruddy holiday? No, you don't have to admit it here. I will pray for you. <laughs> Remember holidays looking like this? This is not modern family by any means. You guys don't get out much, do you? Ever watch Modern Family? Okay. I, I confess, I do watch it. Uh, this is a Norman Rockwell, right? The painter of America. And uh, usually the fun part about Rockwell is he used real people. You know that? And so these characters were real. He caricatures them a little bit. But what do we see in this picture? Typical Thanksgiving repast, right? Lots of food. Lots that we need. Whatever we need. God in his mercy has provided. The first thing, those of you who are note-takers, um, a couple of weeks ago one of my friends said to me, he really liked when Ray Lightcap came because he put all the lists right on the screen all at one time and he could follow it, as opposed to the way I do things, designed purposely to confuse you. <laughs> Not. It works. Thank you. Okay, I repent. <clears throat> I'm going to go right to the last slide, I guess. Commodities. I want to talk about manifest kindness, if I could. But where I want to start, I'm just going to uh, bump this up to a blank. No, I want to back up. Leave him up there for a minute. There's a story in the book of Acts. I'm just going to read it to you, okay, very quickly. Here's what it says. Paul and his team are out on mission service, right? They're preaching the gospel. Uh, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they go to a town called Lystra. A man was sitting there who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's wound, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul. And as he spoke, when Paul looked at him, he saw that he had faith to be healed, to be made well. He said with a loud voice, Paul speaking, stand upright on your feet. He leapt up and began to walk. Now, that would get your attention. And it got the community's attention. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice saying, get this, in the Laconian language, which I don't know, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Remember, this is the days of the Roman Empire, Greek and Roman type gods. They believed that they would show up as humans and mess around, do all kinds of naughty stuff. That was their version of God, a very unholy, a very earth-like, human-like, fallen-like version. They began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, the messenger of the gods, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. This is why I don't do miracles, by the way. <clears throat> I don't want this to happen to me. <laughs> But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you, and preach the gospel to you, that you should turn from these vain things. Isn't that amazing? Turn from these vain things, empty, to the living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations, here's the key verses I want you to catch. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their ways. But he did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts 
with food and gladness. And even saying these things, with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Man, those were the days. He let the people go their own way. Do we deserve the good graces that God shows us? You want to know what happened to Paul? Two days later, the same crowd stoned him, tried to kill him. First, he's getting worship. Then he gets stoned to death almost. Oh, my. Aren't we broken? (laughs) Yes, we are. But here's the point I'm looking at is this thing of the commodities that we need, that all the necessities of life, God graciously continues to give to the human race. Did you know that um, green beans don't grow into cans on the shelves at Hannaford? Yeah, is that a shock? <clears throat> Welcome to the real world, sister. And uh, if, you, if you're around here on, on Sunday nights for prayer meeting, when you come out, you know how we grow that because there's a very strong aroma of farming right across the street. And it uh, reminds us of the reality, right? These are things that God has continued to meet our needs with. Here's the emphasis. Even though human beings were free to go their way, to rebel against God, to ignore some of the truths that he makes known to everyone, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, he still was kind to the human race. He has not left himself. Look at the language here. Paul is preaching, don't worship us, we're just human beings. We're serving the God you should worship. He has not been quiet. He has not been silent. All the people who complain, why doesn't God ever say anything? He's been screaming at us for thousands of years. He has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Isn't that true? People this weekend, whether they really gave thanks to the true God of heaven, whether they really have faith in his son, they were saturated with abundance. Not everybody. If you're one who's been short, we have a food pantry, by the way. Hey, I have a complaint. You know, our newspaper today listed all the food pantries in the neighborhood. Do you see that? How come we weren't in there? What happened? (laughs) By the way, our food pantry people are awesome, and awesomely God is supplying. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm griping at them, not you. What? <laughs> well, how dare they? Um, by the way, how many, how many families have we been serving? 63 families, which represents 100 and close to 200 people. Isn't that cool? So, God, that's cool, isn't it? It's very cool. So, praise the Lord. So, he provides food, commodities. He blesses people, whether they're grateful or they're ungrateful. That might sound familiar to you, right? Isn't there a statement that says something along like that? That even though human beings are ungrateful, Romans, the first chapter, we're going to come back to in a few minutes, a great testimony of where God started with the creation with mankind, and mankind in its rebellion moves further and further away from the truth. Even though they knew something about God, even though he's not left himself without a witness, without testimony, they chose to ignore it. Excuse me. And move further and further away from God. And neither were they thankful. Remember some of that language? They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. 
worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. So here's what it says. You wonder why the world is a mess? Anybody ever wonder about that? I love listening to how many times God gets blamed for all of it. It's not his fault. You can read Genesis 3. You'll find out where it all started. Oh, I, got, I can't resist this. I think it was one of the inklings. Hey, in the condition I'm in, if I'm functioning and talking, don't complain, all right? <clears throat> I will stay on task. One of the inklings. Anybody know who the inklings were? Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Dorothy Sayers, G.K. Chesterton. Those people used to hang out and talk about writing Christian novels and stories. Everybody, Chronicles of Narnia, right? You know Tolkien, the, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, all of that. Ah, good stuff. I was in Oxford. I found the pub that they used to meet in and found the very seat and sat there. And all that holiness came on me. It just, it's awesome. And it didn't help me at all. But anyway, it was cool. It's just kind of cool. G.K. Chesterton. Somebody had written a complaint in the newspaper, the London Times, something like that, saying, what is wrong with the world? Why are people like this? And G.K. Chesterton wrote in a very simple answer, gentlemen, what's wrong with the world? I am. Thank you very much, G.K. Chesterton. That's what's wrong with the world. I am. You are. It's not God. So here's what Jesus says when he's instructing his disciples, when they get tempted to take vengeance and hate on people, because maybe you've noticed once in a while they provoke you. Anybody ever notice that people can provoke you sometimes? Get out of town. Sure. But Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, you ought to be like your father in heaven. And here's what your father in heaven is like, that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He continues to be kind, even though we don't deserve it. That's what it says. So let me go through my points quickly here. One. Kindness is manifested in the commodities that God brings our way, right? It really is. In all the good things. Can I just ask, anything particular this last weekend that you enjoyed that's your favorite thing? Speak right up. Sweet potato casserole with, yeah, all that stuff on. Mm. She likes the parade. And you got it. And there were all kinds of great... Twice, well, anything? Garlic mashed potatoes. Stuffing. See how we all park on food? Commodities. What a, well, you had a parade. Good for you. Anything else? Oh, thank you for moving us to the next point. What else do we see in this picture? Yeah, community, right? Isn't that the big thing? It's not just the food. I mean, you could make do with TV dinners if you had to. They're happier with the, yeah, with the, and those people are happy. That's exactly the point. Excuse me for a sec. Mm. Of course, Norman Rockwell made them smile. They probably hated each other, but it's a picture of community, is it not? 
isn't that what Thanksgiving is like for you? I mean, if you have the blessing of that. If you don't, then you long for it, right? God puts the lonely in families. It's something we don't take for granted. And sometimes I, I just watch my family as they're gathered together. Those of you who don't know me, I've got five kids. Four of them are married. Three grandchildren. My mom is the only uh, of the patriarchs still around, a matriarch, and, uh, but it's just fun to sit and listen. I used to, ha- I had a, I have, I don't used to, I still have a friend who's a doctor on Long Island, and one day we were sitting with him as his extended family, this great Italian family, making delicious food and hanging out and laughing. And he turned to me and said, I just love to listen. These moments are so fleeting. They'll be over just like that. The grayer my hair gets, the more I know that's true. And I can just sit and think about that and listen and start weeping. And it's not sadness. It's joy of being with all those family members. Community. Well, in order to unpack community, let me go way back to the beginning. You want to bear with me for a minute? Have I lost anybody yet? Wake up! Sorry, I woke somebody up. Anyway, uh, way back to the book of Genesis, because community comes out of the divine creator. How many of you know who it is that we worship? Father, Son, Spirit. The triune God made us in his image. God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, who is Communal. It was not good for man to be alone. Remember that language? None of that's accidental. It's not mythological. According to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps along the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And notice, male and female, he created them. Also not an accident. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Oh boy, there's a mouthful. Could go on for about a month on this one. But let me back up for a second. Made in our image, male and female, he created them. All of these things, the fruitfulness that came out of the gift of sex, of marriage, of companionship, not only made in the image of God to be similar, to enjoy the fellowship that he enjoys, a little taste of it, if you will, in marriage, and then in the extended family that comes out of that, and then the extended, extended family, which is community. All of those good things that come our way come from the hand of our Father in heaven. wasn't good for man to be alone. So God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule. I want you to think about that for a minute because we're going to come back to that in just a second. First thing is commodities, what we need. The second thing that God provides in his kindness to all human beings is community. Community is a blessing. can be, right? The third thing is he didn't make us like robots, we're persons made like him, and God is a moral being. So we also have a conscience. We have a conscience. 
If we're made in the image of God, conscience was given to us to restrain evil and provoke good. In other words, it is possible to live in a good or a well-being society. Cities that thrive, communities that thrive, have people who do good in them, who give back to their community. Those who do only take, who only take or destroy, make it an unpleasant place to live. There are places that are really good to live. There are places you wouldn't want to live because of the way we're made. In fact, here's a verse. Those are your theologians. By the way, some of what I'm throwing out here today for Christians, this is called apologetics, defending your faith. Why we have reasons to say, no, you are in fact accountable to God. The fact that he didn't send you an angel doesn't matter. He sent you all of this other stuff, and we're still either grateful or ungrateful. Here's what the scripture says. Indeed, when Gentiles, this is Paul writing, who's a Jew, who's been preaching the gospel to non-Jews, people who don't have the law of God. They don't know right from wrong in the absolute sense. When they, who do not have law, do by nature things required by the law, they become a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law. Everybody with me so far? In other words, he's talking about conscience. Since they show the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience bears witness. They're either accused in their conscience or they're defended by their... I know what's right and wrong. Every culture knows basically that there's right and wrong. There are some cultural glitches. Like there are certain tribes that think that lying and being a cheat and a scoundrel is the hero, which is totally twisted. But outside of those few glitches like that, mostly all humanity affirms certain things as right and wrong. Generally, you know, the sanctity or the importance of life, the importance of the marriage relationship, all those different cultures fall into that same kind of thinking. There is a law that is written in the heart, conscience. It's the restraint of harm. Imagine the chaos if all moral restraint was removed from every human heart you probably wouldn't make it home alive today. If every twinge of moral sensitivity or conscience was taken away from you. I just caught the end of some... I'm not recommending this by any means. I get television in my house. And it was the end of... uh, The National Geographic Channel had the end of this movie, Fury, these tank guys in a tank. And one guy survives. One guy survives. He's, on, he's underneath the tank, hiding. And the, the enemy army is checking everything out. And one man stops. One Nazi officer or soldier has his flashlight. He looks down under the tank, and he puts the light right in the guy's face. And the guy's like this. I don't have any weapon. I, I'm, I'm dead. If you, if you report, I'm dead. And you can see the guy think he looks, he looks back, turns off the light and walks away. There's a conscience, even in that context. Guys, he's a he's dead, dead duck, except for the mercy I can show him, the kindness that I can show him. God has provided commodities. He's given us the blessing of community. He's given us a conscience. Here's a huge one. 
He's made us creative. Creative. Made in the image of God. Who's the creator? That was not a trick question for people in church. Who's the creator? The answer class is G-O-D, God. <laughs> He's the creator. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to throw you off. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you, you made my day to write that. That was great. God is creator, right? He's creative. When you, when you ponder, I don't know about you. I lo- we like, my wife and I, we're pretty boring old people. Every morning we put the coffee pot on, we get the newspaper we're unspiritual. We read the paper first, then we read the scripture and we pray together. So we're unspiritual. You can go ahead and write a letter to the bishop. Anyway, but one of the things we enjoy is some of the local talent here of uh, photographers. And they take pictures of the fabulous, fabulous beauty and creativity of the world around us. Someone this last week caught, caught two beautiful bald eagles on the side of the river together. It was almost like posed, and it was real, you know. And we'd see all of those things. You watch uh, hummingbirds. You observe some of the odd creatures that God has made, undersea creatures that don't even, you know, function in light of any kind. And all this brilliant creativity that God has manifested. He's given that kind of creativity to man as well. I'm not going to go back to the text, but remember the Genesis text. Subdue the earth. There's some words that are used there. Let me read a couple of them to you. Govern, arche, to rule over. Replenish means to fill the earth. And then the word for subdue or dominate, we don't like that kind of word. But remember, the world was raw in the days of Adam and Eve. The the word in Hebrew is kabosh. Isn't that a riot? I, look, I did a little bit of research on that because I thought oh, it's almost too good to be true, you know, that it, it's a Hebrewism, that it could be Yiddish, and we don't know for sure. It might have been Yiddish or it might have been from Russian background. We're not totally sure. But that idea of kibah, you put the kibosh on something, you put a lid on it, that's more negative. What God has in mind is work it, make it serve you. And man's ability to make the environment serve him is part of his created heritage. Today, I am, I am a big, uh, I'm in favor of rescuing the environment. I'm not in favor of putting the environment above mankind. Neither is God. But stewarding the environment, yes, I think responsible Christians should. So I want to be clear about that so nobody comes after me later. And even if you did, I'm not changing my mind. But anyway, so I'm, I'm fooling with you. Because I know it's a touchy issue today, but people have it upside down. Listen to the things man has done that we're glad he has kiboshed, made the environment serve him. Aren't you glad for what's happened in medicine How many, how many diseases we've beaten because of science making progress? How about amazing things like indoor plumbing? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Last week I went up to help my son, my youngest son, 
bought a house. It's a fix-up special. He got a deal. Now I know why he got a deal. And I... <laughs> And uh, we had to get the plumbing to work. And we did. Thank you, Jesus. It's a blessing, is it not? Is it not a blessing to have food and covering? The Bible says having food and covering, with these we should be content. We have way more than food and covering. I mean, I have to admit, I'm not attached to technology, but having, uh, you know, Wi-Fi in my house that actually works is like, dude... That's kiboshing the environment. You get what I'm saying? Everybody following what I mean? Man's ability to make all this happen is a blessing. A reflection of God's ability given to man to make and create. He's supposed to steward it and use it wisely, not for evil. But it is a blessing. I think about it, especially where I I think we get in trouble today. Take entertainment. Music and art. I was an art major. You know, a lot of art uh, originally was, was um, centered in Western culture, was centered on the gospel. Did you know that? A lot of our art. And, um, and music, likewise. And what has happened, as time has gone on, these abilities... And by the way, I enjoy all the creative... There, there, there are people who who uh, would not be your favorite character, who have written phenomenal music that I can enjoy because it reflects that creative ability. But what has happened in our culture now, the music and the art itself have become idols. And we don't give glory to God anymore. We worship the, the, the singer and we worship the artist. and we wor- Oh, they, everything that they say matters. What do I care what they say? They can't keep their marriages together. They can't keep their life together. But I should care what they think. I'm delighted what they were able to do. It's a blessing, but they're not God. We got it upside down too many times. Music and art are gifts that God has given us. I do. I said this one other time and I had a sister come up and say, I love that guy too. So I won't tell you who it was, but ah, uh, I mean, I listened to some of the creativity, and the guy I was thinking of was Elton John, and I thought, man, the ability, the talent, the the the, the beauty of some of the sound that comes out—it's like, whoa! Do you realize that's a gift of God? That's reflecting His creativity. Doesn't mean I agree with what he says. Doesn't mean he's my go. All right, get over it. Here we go. Off we go. Commodities, community, conscience, creativity. Anybody lost yet? You all with me? Want to go home now? Yes. See ya. Get out. (laughs) I like it when you all ask questions. And say things sometimes. Anyway, so (laughs) here's the fun one. Here we go. Creativity. Think about all that creativity. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, before I move to the last point, creativity ultimately destined for the throne of God. God created, man follows in his footsteps, made in the image of God is able to think God's thoughts after him. Not as good as God, but to think like God a little bit, to create like God a little bit. You get what I'm saying? Ultimately, it's going to be glorifying him and sanctifying him. Get all the dirt out, get all the idolatry out, and it's something that you can enjoy honoring the creator. Let me show you what I mean. 
Bible tells us in the end, the nations will come to its light. This is the heavenly Jerusalem, the kings of the earth. This is what we're going to see, brothers and sisters, one day. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of limitations. It doesn't matter. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be part of the heavenly community. The nations will come to its light. The kings of the earth will bring it their treasures. Uno momento. Its gates will never be closed by day. There will be no night there. And the nations will come bringing, here it is again, their treasure and their wealth. Now, we're not talking the stock market here. Their wealth and their treasures, the word that's used there is their glory. The glory of their nations. Think of the fabulous stuff. I've been around the world. I have a few toys here I brought with me. From my office, actually. We had the koikis here last week, remember? Japan. This is one of their art forms. Steel vase. I can drop this on the floor. It won't break. See? I don't want to be proven wrong. That's Mount Fuji. Anyway, I've got three different kinds of these. Two I brought back from Japan, I believe. Beautiful, beautiful work. And the Japanese culture has a multitude of beautiful, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Art forms. Africa. That's not a demon mask. That's a... It's a zebra. That's what it is. And yet, isn't that cool? Simple, simple, carved out, captures so much. Nothing to it, really. Just take a chunk of wood. And that's what they came up with. Or you can be more sophisticated, like in the Ukraine. These things are great, right? And I, have, I, I almost brought over, um, I have a chalice that was given to me f- for teaching a Bible class in Ukraine one time. But these are so fun. You know these, right? The nesting things and... Make you go crazy, you know, finding your way all the way in. But the beautiful details, it's gorgeous, right? All of the glory of the nations, whatever can be used to glorify God and honor him, pure and clean, clean up the false gods, clean up the filthy uses, any kind of wrong use morally, clean that up and take the best, the treasures the glory, the wealth of the nations. And it's going to be there to honor God and glorify him forever. We're going to rejoice in God's brilliance, even in creating through man. Isn't that interesting? We don't think much about that, do we? Last thing. God not only gives us commodities... Community is a gift, and boy, is it ever. Conscience, creativity, he also communicates with us. Yes, he's given us the gospel, but apart from that, he communicates with us, does he not? He woos mankind without preachers. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the heavens declare the glory of God. I don't have time to unpack this this morning. Actually, I'm glad my throat's holding up. But the, the heavens declare the glory of God. We were reading um, the fellow preachers I hang out with to try to mutually corrupt each other. Um, we're reading a book called uh, Meet Generation Z. 
This is the newest generation on the scene from 1999 and on. Here's one of the fun things in that book as I went through it, is that we're at a point now where science is conflicting with itself, so it works to our advantage. I don't, again, I don't have time to unpack it all, but for example, you have uh, evolutionary theory over here, biology, what have you, you have geological theory, then you have cosmolo uh, yeah, yeah, universal, the universe, stars, uh, the, the age of the universe and all of that, and they're not in agreement. How long have we been around? According to this group, very short. According to this group, very long. Who's right? Uh, you don't have to solve it today. All I'm saying is... Ultimately, God's the one that's right, and there is a way to mesh the data because all theories are just that, theories. You do understand that. Point is simply this. God has been speaking in the universe to the human race, and it was back probably 30 years ago that Reader's Digest came out with an article that said, Have the Astronomers Found God? Because they're pointing back to a beginning. They've discovered that and recognized we have an issue here. How do you solve this? Communication. Here's what it tells us in the Bible. That which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without... Ooh, I don't like that verse. I got to tell you, I was, a, I was a new Christian. I was, let's see, two years old, three years old in Christ. I was taking theology at seminary in Denver, Colorado. And I was probably four years old at this time. And I, um, I was a, an armed security guard for local hospitals. And so I had a team of other armed guards. And one night I'm on duty with this fellow guard. I can almost pull up his name. I can see him. And all I had learned in my theology classes so far was this, general revelation. What I just showed you, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the, the clock moving the way it moves so perfectly is a witness to creative order. It's not an accident. That our conscience is a witness to the fact that there's something beyond us. Why would we have a conscience if all we are is developed protoplasm? Etc. Etc. Where where do the thoughts of beauty and uh, and and altruism? Where does all that come from? That's all I knew. General revelation. I didn't know the four steps to peace with God very well. I didn't have much at all. I'm witnessing to this guy, and in the middle of it, he goes, "I totally see all of that. I totally get it." And I think I remember, I'm not sure, but I do believe I led him to Christ. I'm like, what with that? <laughs> it's enough. We're without excuse. God has shown his kindness, commodities, community, conscience, creativity that he's imparted to us and he's communicating, speaking to us, calling out, yelling at us, if you will, for thousands of years, come back to me. This isn't where you started. The God who made all that is is not a false little idol made by man. We're still remaking God in our own image, aren't we? 
We bring them down to our level. Every time Christians argue with Scripture and say, well, it doesn't mean that in my case, we tell God to get off his throne and we remake him the way we want him. I loved last week Carrie Koike's testimony. This was his wife as she shared that she was raised with this dichotomy of Buddhism and Shintoism, which is normal in Japan, completely normal. And as she's looking at the God shelf, because that's what we call it, a God shelf, and she's looking at these little gods, she's going, this isn't real. These can't be real. If you're up there, you need to help me. And he did. He did. You shall find me if you search for me with all your heart. You shall surely find me if we're really meaning business. And stop putting up all these excuses why he's wrong and I'm right. We're not. You shall find him if you search for him with all your hearts. I remember uh, years ago listening to an African pastor who was sharing about all this goodness that God has poured out on the human race and the way the human race has responded. And I remember it just stuck in my mind. I don't believe that God is very happy about all this. Our ingratitude. Has God been good to you? If he has... What's your response? What are you going to do with the life he's given you? It's not just for you. It's for his use as well, right? That's why he's blessed you with so many things. Your needs, community, you're so grateful for family, your conscience, your creativity, and the communication he brings to you to woo you into right relationship with himself. I'm going to ask that you stand with me as I close in prayer. If you've never given your life to Christ, you have all these reasons I just shared, or you can come and dialogue with me about why I'm wrong. I'd be glad to do that, because I'm open. Let's talk. Let's pray. We bless your name today, God. You are the living God. You're the God who has made everything that you made from one family all the nations of the earth and appointed their places. You gave them liberty to be creative and come up with the amazing, beautiful, created things that we take pleasure in as we tour the globe or meet people from other cultures and we see some of the most beautiful things they're able to do. You did that. You started it. We also know that human, human beings in their brokenness have not honored you and have misused many of the gifts that you have given them and done harm. Harm to your environment and even worse, harm to your created beings, the family of man. And we're living in a world today where we see it left and right around the globe in America and on other places, other soil around our planet today. We need a savior. The the ideologies of man, their false gods, their false uh, religions are not going to rescue us. Only the living God who sent his son Jesus to redeem us. No other religious leader came back from the grave to prove that everything he said was right. But you did, Jesus, 
and you're going to come back and set it all right. All I want to do is be ready because most assuredly it will happen just as surely as the sun will rise tomorrow. Help us to be ready. Help those who have not put their faith in you and bowed their knee to say, you're the boss, not me. I'm wrong, you're right. Help them to do that. Help those who say they profess your name here to get aligned in obedience if they're off track. Well, thank you for helping us today. Bless your people. Strengthen us. Put your angels around these saints. Keep us so that we can accomplish the reason you've left us here. We're here for a reason. There's a reason you have not wiped this little section of the planet out. We're here to do your will. Help us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the weekend. And don't touch me because I'm sick. <laughs>